Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's got to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 170 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Welcome. Happy New Year. First episode of 2022. That'll take a little time to get used to saying, eh? Well, how's everyone's New Year out there? A little cold here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, New Year's night, minus 47. Good times. Very happy I own a garage now. Um, it's like minus 30-something today, and then it's supposed to be like minus 5 tomorrow. It's like, oh yeah. You know, everybody will be out here wearing shorts. But no, I hope everybody had a good New Year's. Yeah, not much happening around here. Um, guess we're just like kind of old, old, pathetic now. I've, our New Year's have been pretty lame uh, the last few years. Um, we're gonna get together with the with the with, the, with uh, my wife's the sister in law and the brother in law and stuff. But um, 
you know, it was just, it was just too cold. It was just like, eh. So basically, I don't know, just drank a bunch of beer and yeah, this is how, this is how much of a fucking nerd I am. You know what, you, you know what, I, well, first of all, of course, I brought all the goo, I got all the enforcer cards out. I, I got them out from my parents' house, got them here. They were sitting in a big friggin' tub. Just all elastic, no rhyme or reason, just piled in there. So, of course, I had the bright idea that I'm gonna alphabetical order these things. Or at least A, B, C, at least that much, right? Okay. And, uh, cause I do want to sort them for something I kind of, I wanted to kind of get going on. And, um, and that we're talking, like, I don't know, a thousand plus cards for sure. You know, not that they're all different. I mean, you got multiples. Anybody named McSorley, I could score a card. I could hook you up. I've got like 19 of them. Um, but, yeah. So, and this wasn't on New Year's. This is like started like two days, three days ago that I bring them up and I tell the wife, oh, and she's like, oh, well, I'll help you. I don't think she really understood what she was getting into, but she's kind of, you know, the grade one teacher kid. She really likes sorting and alphabetizing. See, there's a method to my madness here, folks. You know, married 17 years. I, I know what's going on, you know, especially with the wife being as stubborn as she is. I knew if I recruited her, because she's, of course, she's home on school break, that, uh, oh, yeah. So she was doing this, like, we started doing it the one night. Court, you know, I mean, you're not going to finish in a night. This is whatever. I left it on the table in the living room. I come home after work the next day. She's been sitting there all afternoon doing it, just kind of, oh, you didn't have to do that. Meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, oh, of course, I knew you were going to do that. See, a diabolical plan. Know who you're married to, folks. And uh, we proceeded like the next two nights. And we ended up, I mean, not that up, up till midnight we were sorting cards. But we finished it up yesterday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, I don't have the heart to tell her that, like, I'm after I'm done recording this, I'm going to go into the city and to my parents' house. And I'm fairly certain there is another box of, like, tough guy cards somewhere. Because as I'm sorting them... I know there's a bunch of cards missing, uh, and it's like, okay, well, I wouldn't, they wouldn't just be, oh, like eight separate cards just lying somewhere. No, they're with other cards. So it's like, I know there's at least a few more elastic band, but I don't think there's thousands, but I think there's probably a couple hundred more elastic bands somewhere. And I'm pretty sure I know where in my parents' basement. So, uh, I don't think I'll, uh, I don't have the heart to tell my wife that. I think I'll, I'll, I'll end up sorting those on my own down here in the basement. But, uh, yeah, that was my, you know, could I be a bigger geek? You know, that was, that was the extent of my New Year's. Uh, drinking beer, sorting enforcer cards, um, burned a couple DVDs for a guy. And, uh, we watched, I, what, what movie did we watch? Uh, not catch me if you can. Now you see me? Some magic movie where they stole something. I don't know. It was kind of whatever. My wife liked it though. She had, it was funny because one of the trips to Vegas a few years ago, when they used to do that, you could watch the movies on the plane. She had start. She was watching this movie on the plane, and she ended up like falling asleep, or I think we were land. Whatever. She didn't get to see all of it, or maybe it was on the plane to Mexico. Anyway, she didn't get to see all of it. So. Uh, here we are, fast forward a few years later. She's like, oh yeah, that movie. She said, that was the one on the plane. Let's watch that. I'm like, I don't give a shit, sure. I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but I was sort of between playing video poker on my phone and looking at these cards. I kind of was out of the side of my eye. I was watching it. But, uh, 
Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Five minutes in. That was my New Year's night. What was yours like? Oh, what a thrilling podcast. I'm really, I'm really capturing the viewers or the listeners, uh, fucking attention here in 2022 early on. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. What are we going to talk about today? Um, well, uh, a fight clip that, uh, caused much controversy, stealing content. Um, uh, an old time, an, an old enforcer signing, um, a very interesting exercise if fighting was like a title belt and how the title belt would go. I'll explain that more when I get to that part. A gentleman had put that up on the fight board in one of the, in the enforcer appreciation group, his spreadsheet and how he, how he arrived at this findings and it was <laughs> That caused a lot of controversy in the comments, too. I think there was a bunch of people, of course, that I don't think were really kind of grasping what the point of the exercise was. Um, but I'll explain it to you guys when I get there. Um, it was just interesting. I just found it interesting how it went. And then, uh, again, with the lists, you know, I know you guys like the lists. And, hey, you know, why we're not going to start 2022 without a list, right? It is the top five. Toughest St. Louis Blues of all time. We will do that. But first, let's get to the sponsors. Of course, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the teams, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. So, of course, uh, you know, that's going up and down with the Olympics and not going and everything else. COVID, blah, blah, blah. But they're still playing, so... There's still shows. Definitely check out, uh, check out whatever uh, show of whatever team you're a fan of. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I got uh, we got part-time Oli back from Florida. From after gallivanting all over the countryside, he's back. I don't know if he ever works. I don't know. Again, that's where he gets the game part-time Oli. But of course, that is Alec, and he is in charge of the. Five for Fighting podcast. It's a tremendous podcast. I, I bust on Alec a lot, but he does a great job um, when he decides to hit record. Uh, he has a tremendous back catalog. Yablonski, Segroy, Rob Ray. Check him out. Uh, does a lot of fun. He's really, uh, he lives down there. He's right, uh, he's a season ticket holder for the Florida Everblades. And uh, he's been really kind of getting into the East Coast League this year. Um, you know, now that he's around it and a season ticket holder. Um and uh, he's had some interesting experiences so far. He's met a couple of the players. He had uh, Nico Blackman on the show, who is now a member of South Carolina. Um, but he had him on the show. I know he's trying to get... Uh... Oh, well, all of a sudden, am I just drawing a blank on the guy's name? Um, hold on. Kyle Lubar. Why, why couldn't I think? I had, to go, I had to go to the website and look it up. I'm like, why am I drawing a blank on that cat's name? I like that guy, too. Um, yeah. And, uh, so he's had him on and, uh, or he's probably, he wants to get him on. And, uh, anyway, he had, a, he did a, well, I'll get into the clip thing here in a sec, but, uh, no, actually, if you want to, uh, check out, uh, Five Fighting, check out his YouTube channel. He's been putting up, uh, East Coast League fights. Gotta keep, gotta keep that on the down low. Don't, don't be mentioned, you know, cause the, the East Coast League office, yeah, they, they got the, there's, you, you, seriously, I mean, if you try putting up East Coast League hockey league fights, 
Oh, you'll immediately get sent a notice to take it down or they'll shut your channel down or copyright it. Meanwhile, AHL, NHL, doesn't matter. They don't care. But the East Coast League, for some reason, has some hard-on that, oh, for God forbid, you put up one of their fights. So, um, yeah, uh, who knows, whatever. But, yeah, Alec has been doing that. It's been cool. Um, I gotta say, you know, I, you know, I sit here, I'm the grumpy old bastard and I yell out the window and oh, everything sucks and whatever. And, but I've, hey, fair is fair. I've always, I've always maintained like I'll yell and bitch, but I, uh, I'll give out the praise when it, when warranted. Uh, the East Coast League's been happening this year. I gotta say, um, you know, I'm not up to date with all the guys or whatever, but I mean, Alec and them and, and uh, Jay there have kept me informed about what's happening. And I see, uh, Garrett Klotz, uh, Klotz just, uh, tuned some guy the other night and of course I'm familiar with him from his Saskatoon Blades days and and all the way back he's been around but um yeah it's been fun seeing the kids hey they're going for it and I dig it and uh yeah good hey that I mean I'll I will I mean we could sit here and I mean there's no I'll I'll never understand this stupid 10 fight rule I don't get that I mean I who for who what I don't understand who is uh, well, like I've said, who is this benefiting? Really? I mean, as a, as a team, you're already, your rosters are small enough in the in the minors anyway, in the East Coast League level. Okay, so the guy has 10 fights, somebody hits his goalie, he grabs the guy, fights. Well, there's 11, now you're suspended. Oh, yeah. So now the team plays short. Like, again, who's to, whose benefit is this? Are the fans upset by this? Or, you know, who who's upset by this? It's, it's nothing but grandstanding. And it's, oh, well, we don't want anybody in our league that will have, like, 40 fights. Well, this isn't 1993. Who is going to fight 40 times? And if they do, so what? Like, really? So what? It's professional hockey. These are grown men. If they want to fight 30 times, let them. Who cares? Again, who is this bothering? I'd love to just sit down and just sit with the East Coast Hockey League Commissioner and just ask him that question. Why? And a first, and then second of all, why do the teams agree to this shit? Like, if you're a team owner, be like, no, that's stupid. No. Like, I don't know, is it an insurance thing? I don't know. But if a guy fights 10 times, that's okay. But if he fights 13, no, that's, that's wrong. What are we doing? Like... I, I just love to hear the reason. I mean, I know it. There'd be some horseshit political bullshit reason. But an actual, like, logical... There is no logic to it. It's either ban it completely or no, don't worry about it. Like, wh- what do you... Wh- why? I'll never understand these fight rules. And you go on about player... It's for player safety. Who's safety? If anything, you've put the you've put the player at risk because everybody in the rink on the other team will know if a guy's got ten fights or not. So now, if something happens and the guy's getting challenged, you have now given him something to think about. Well, do I react to this or do I just let it go? And that's the whole thing. And right there, that's the danger zone. Right there, when you got to think about it instead of just reacting. And defending yourself or a teammate or what have you. No, now he's got to think about it for that second. And that could lead to being two punches behind. You know what I mean? So you want to talk about a safety issue. 
Like, oh, just the irony of it all. Oh, it's for safety. It's just ridiculous. Anyway. Here we are. 20, I'm off on a tangent already. What Alex show. That's where we started with all this. Alex show. Five for fighting. Give it a listen. Of course, the other show that I'm going to talk about is Broadway Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. Working out. There's Joe. Back at her. Back to work. After furlough. They got him down at MSG. World's greatest arena. He, there he is in the heart of New York, New York. The main man, Broadway Joe. But, I wonder if Joe's colleagues know that he has a New York Islander-based podcast. I'm not quite sure. I don't know what his employers would say of that. But yes, Joe has... Uh, it's a New York Islander enforcer-based podcast. And again, he's had tremendous guests. Uh, Mick Fakoda, Jason Strudwig, Aaron Asham. On and on. Eric Bolton. Tremendous. So definitely give give Broadway Joe a listen. Um, I'm, wait, I'm telling you folks, 2022, new year, could be turning over something new. Joe might be hitting it, might, might just hit us with a Ranger podcast, I bet. He'll go under a different name though. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'll go on underneath his, his screen name. Yeah, it's a, a, it'll be the the Broadway the Broadway Banter podcast brought to you by Sexton Hardcastle. Maybe something like that. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't know. He might use his old screen name, who knows. But Broadway Joe, bang up job out there, Joe. Hope you had a happy new year. I think I think Joe went on a New Year pub crawl, I bet. Joe's a big pub crawl guy, from what I've been told. Yeah. No, I'm sure him and the wife just stayed home and cranked Boney M. I'm, ma- I'm making Joe a Boney M believer, I believe. A Boney M believer, I believe. Well, there we go. What great verbiage around here. But anyway, Coliseum Chronicles, give it a listen. Broadway, Joe Lazito, give it a Lazito. All right, folks, let's get into this. 15 minutes in. Here, hold on. i got to get some rocket fuel here. Okay. Well, first things first, um, there was a signing that caused quite a stir amongst the Enforcer fans. It came out yesterday that the Idaho Steelheads of the East Coast League had signed Jeremy Yablonski, 41-year-old Jeremy Yablonski. And, of course, everybody got uh, got excited and everything else. And, holy shit, big comeback, and here we go. Um, I will say... As much as I would love to see him back out there, and it'd be interesting, um, from from what I can gather, I believe it is just a kind of a COVID signing, uh, as Jeremy lives in Texas now, and Idaho, that's where they were on their road trip out there, um, and I believe he was signed as a precaution in case of the COVID thing, or like the taxi squad, like the East Coast League, or the American League team needs guys, so they'll bring East Coast League guys up. He was signed as a security blanket, basically, if anything happens, and they're short guys, well, they got a guy out there in Texas that they can, you know, phone up, and hey, can you get down here and play, and so I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I, I don't think we'll be, and, well, unless obviously that situation happens, then we will. But I think if nothing happens and whatever, and it's same old, same old, no one gets sick and there's no call-ups or whatever, I don't think Yablonski will be playing for Idaho. 
Um, I think this was just a, a security measure in case something happened. And they knew, it, you know, because of course he's he played in Idaho. He's kind of a hero there and whatever. Um, and like I said, I think they're just kind of, they're in the area playing. So it was like, and he's out there. So obviously he's still in contact with the team. So it was like, hey, just, uh, you know, stay loose. We might need you in case something happens. I think that's, so of course, and of course you can't just have him just show up and, oh, here's a jersey, let's play. I mean, obviously you got to go through the league and sign and blah, blah, blah. So I think they made it official in that sense. Um, got him on a protected list or whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I don't. I'm not wishing COVID on any current Idaho players or or a call up or whoever. I'm not saying that, but I I kind of would really like to see Yablonski play because uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably still in tremendous shape. So um, uh, just curiosity kills the cat, right? And I'm just sort of interested to see how he would look and and uh, you know because you don't want to, whoever he's playing these one of these young kids. I mean, here's your chance, right? take a shot at a legend, and, uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting, but no, I don't think Yabo will be playing, but, uh, but it caused quite the controversy, um, another controversy that happened, um, okay, well, Alec had talked about this on his latest episode, so I'm not, uh, I know, I won't go too, well, I've had my own, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, run-ins with this type of thing, but, um, <clears throat> okay, well, old Alec there at the Five for Fighting on, uh, a couple days ago, there of course was an incident in the East Coast League, uh, when, uh, Jacksonville was in South Carolina, or was it in Jacksonville? Um, Whatever. Yeah, it was in Jacksonville. And they played South Carolina. And Nico Blackman and Travis Howe, who was stretching at center ice, as the boys do, you know, cruising the red, he's sitting there stretching. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, like if you go and watch the clip, I'm sure everybody listening to this show has probably seen the clip already. It uh, it went viral, as they say, um, which led to other issues that I will get into first. But let's talk about the incident first in the clip. Um, and people's issues with it. Um, and I talked to my boy Chris out in Vancouver. I mean, he had his say about it and I get it. I agree to a point. Um, we have, he and I have different sort of philosophies on a few things. Um, but I see his point in the clip, Travis Howe, big dude, tough guy. I don't know where his standing is in top in terms of, uh, you know, uh, championship lineage uh, in the East Coast League, but I'm fairly certain he is uh, one of the top dogs. He's a big guy. Anyway, he's at center ice stretching and uh, really yapping it up with the South Carolina guys. And on South Carolina is, is Blackman there, uh, again, who Alec had on his show previously. Um, a former Everblade got traded to South Carolina. Little guy, but tough guy, but him and Howe fought and Howe kind of, you know, took it to him there the last time they fought. But He's not going to back down, whatever. So those two are having fucking words at center ice. Blah, 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 blah. They're yapping away. And Howe's stretching away and just going. And then just goes complete donkey show. He's over into the other team's end and he's stretching and yapping. And people are, they're spearing each other. Not like, you know, 
trying to put it through each other's stomachs or something. But they're poking each other with their sticks and somebody shoots a pot. And it's just a little, it's a cluster and whatever. But how is just donkeying it up. Uh, and finally, whatever. Okay. So this clip is all over. It's about a minute and a half. Nothing happens. Just a lot of talking and shoving and pushing, but no one drops the gloves. Whatever. Life goes on. Uh, somebody at the game filmed it. Whoever it was got a hold of Alec. Said, hey, I got this footage in pregame. You got to see it. And Alec, hey, can I put this up? Oh, absolutely put it up. So Alec puts it up on the fight board and on Twitter and all. And then, holy shit, it just takes off. And everyone's commenting on it. Many people going on and on about, oh, just fight already, you pussies. Drop your gloves. You know, like it's 1986. You know, Flyers, Habs, or whatever. Um, and I get it. I would, you know, as it turned out, the league suspended Blackman and Howe for two games anyway, for which amounted to pushing and shoving. They're getting two games. So imagine that's two games for doing nothing. Imagine if they had fought what they would have got. So yeah, um, whatever. But of course, all these old guys, you know, some of the older players, I see Todd St. Louis and Aaron Campbell and a couple guys and, oh, just fight already and blah, blah, blah. You know, that wouldn't have happened when I played, you know, and we would have just fought. Yeah, you would have. And you probably would have got a game or two. And that's it. I get it. If these guys had fought in that warm up, I get with the East Coast League, with the way they are, they probably would have got 10 games for sure. So. And, and let's, let's not all act like, oh, there's, this is just, anytime that happens, there's always been fights. Morasti and all those guys, when the Syracuse Crunch went on their winning streak back in like 08, 09, or whatever it was, when Konopka was playing with Dorsett and, and Sestito and Morasti, they did that shit all the time. And there was never any fights in the warm-ups. There was fights during the game, but never during the warm-ups. I think the thing is, most times, there's been incidents like this before, but for the most part, there isn't people there filming it. I mean, maybe nowadays with camcord or with uh, cell phones, they might. But overall, no. I mean, it's happened in the NHL a few times. You know, I know Barnaby and Avery and all them started shit, and everybody got in there pushing and shoving, but nobody ever fought. So. Everybody who's commenting on this, that these guys should fight and they didn't, so they're pussies and everything else, like, fucking get a clue. How many fights have you seen in warm-up? I'm just asking out there. How many fights have you seen? Exactly. One, maybe two. Like, I'm not, I'm talking current. Current, like within the 90s and stuff. I mean, I'm sure back in the set, well, that's why the WHL teams warm up separate because there was so many brawls. For the sake of my exercise, work with me here. In the 90s, well, from the 90s on, how many fights in pregame have there been? And we're not talking the LNAH. Yeah, I can't think of many here and there. But this has happened a bunch of times. Now, I will say, the other, on, the other, on the other part of this, because um, how started this whole thing by acting like a goof. Not like a goof, I shouldn't say that. Like an asshole. Now, do I have a problem with that? No, I don't, actually. In fact, I sort of welcome it. I wish more guys would do it. Because it's like... I mean, I've said this on this show a million times. And I mean, and I said it... Actually, I said it last night in the, in the group. It's like... 
I've, I've fight fans have completely lost the point of of what the whole the whole idea of the enforcer and the tough guy and stuff was to be a bully. That was the point, and to be an asshole and be mean. That at least that's what I thought. Isn't that the point? I mean, you guys, like I said, some of these guys are so worked up and the good luck, bro, and all this bullshit that they've completely forgot that the tough guy was supposed to be an asshole. Well. How was an asshole the other night? And he was daring them to do something about it. Eh. Kind of the point, is it not? I thought, I've always thought so. Now, the other camp, which I can completely see, is, I guess, the you know, uh, knowing, see, that's the thing. I guess it's not hard to walk around the yard and be the big dog when everyone else is chained up to the porch. I get that line of thinking as well. It's not hard to act like an asshole and a tough guy and whatever when you know no one can do anything about it. That's sort of the quandary that we're in with modern hockey. Yeah, I see that with Reeves and all that. Oh, he's a bully. Well, yeah, he's that's his role he's supposed to be. Now, it's not hard to be a bully when no one's going to do anything about it. Or a handful of guys will do something about it. For the most part, when Ryan Reeves rolls into Carolina or wherever these days, and start slapping guys around. No one is going to do anything about it. So most of the teams have no one to do it. He could roll into Toronto and start slapping people around. Who's going to do anything about it? No one. So, number of teams. So on the one hand, I don't blame him. That's not his problem. Go get someone then. Or do something about it. That's always how I've looked at it. You don't like it, do something about it. Come knock the chip off my shoulder. And it's not my fault. And that's the thing. And now fans get mad at these guys. Well, no, I'd be mad at the team that didn't do anything about it. Why are you getting mad at him? I'd be mad at the the 18 candy asses that just let him do it. That's who I would be upset with. That's me personally. But again, I understand the the thinking of, well, it's not hard to act tough when you know no one's going to do anything to you. Yeah, you know, I get it. I get it. Which is sort of what the case of Howe was doing. Although, I mean, Blackman had fought him earlier, so it wasn't like Blackman's... And Blackman, I guarantee if there was no, like, hey, we're only going to get one game here or whatever, like it's 1993 again, I can guarantee there would have been a fight right then and there. But that's not happening these days. So, um, for everybody yelling and screaming, I get it, but, uh, you know, let's not, let's not live in um, fantasy land here. But I laughed, these same guys that were, that were chiming, and I've seen, in the group, I saw it, and I laugh at these same guys that are in the, in the comment section chirping how and these guys, for being pussies, and everything else. Meanwhile, they're, they're big, like, NHL boosters and stuff, like, you know, you only wish the NHL had half of this, half this emotion. That's why I said at the end of the day, at least it's emotion, at least it's hatred, and something somebody's trying to get something going, you know, or whatever. At least, at least getting like I can guarantee after it was done and they went into the locker rooms after the warmups, I guaranteed uh, South Carolina was in. Did you see this motherfucker over here? And the boys got fired up about it, you know. So then at least the game had some friggin' passion. What's wrong with that? You know, at least there's something. It's more than half, three quarters of these games nowadays. 
So anyway, it was an interesting little clip, and uh, you know, hey, whatever. But um, the thing that came out of this, and this is completely unrelated to the clip, this is just a content creator uh, internet uh, gripe that I have that I completely agree with Alec about, and Alec talked about it on his show. So if you listen to his show and my show, forgive me, I'm uh, piggybacking Alex's sentiments here. Um, But of course, that clip goes and makes the rounds, and all these big friggin' social media groups... Uh, basically they just, uh, a bunch of them just stole Alex clip and go put it up. They go and put it up on their site and away it goes. They don't credit anybody or nothing. Now, believe me, I understand the irony of my statement as I have a YouTube channel and I've uploaded fights and it's like, well, did I record that fight that I uploaded? No. Now, don't ask me how I'm going to give credit to somebody who recorded the, you know, a 1992 Bob Probert Wade Belak fight. I'm sure it's fairly universal at that point. And there were many guys uh, recording it, so I, I can't really uh, lay out who the original recorder was. Uh, it could have been me, for all I know, as I did record fights as well. Uh, so that's a little, you know, we're getting a little... Um, I mean, I get the, again, I get what I'm saying. It's sort of the same thing, kind of, but not really. I guess when it's exclusive content. It's a little different when somebody just recorded Hockey Night in Canada. Well, that was sort of a universal thing. Everybody could have seen that. So, and that type of thing. But when it's a specific, um, a cell phone recording of a, of a warm, yeah, warm up, um, now we're start. now that's, that's a very unique piece of video. So it's not a universal type thing. But so whoever used Alex clip, which Alec himself said he didn't have a problem with, but just credit the original poster of it. But of course, what is it? Sauce life or sauce, whatever, some fucking Instagram group that's got <coughs> however many hundreds of thousands of followers. Yet that, that's what I laugh about these guys and, um, you know, spit and chiglets a little bit, but just big media groups like that. And hey, good, you know, whatever, you got all your millions of followers on Instagram and all that stuff. And, you know, fuck the rest of us, I guess. But these guys, say hockeyfights.com, same thing. They just fil- they just take everyone else's content, slap their watermark on it, and oh, it's ours now. There's no research, there's no, like I can get, that's the thing with HockeyFights.com. Here's my little tangent on these clowns again. For the current fights, whatever, okay, that's their stuff. But I can get, I've taught, like I said, I know the guys that own that site now. I've talked to them, whatever. We've had interactions. I can tell you when it comes to hockey fights, they don't know whether to shit, piss, or steal third. I can tell you that. You, they couldn't grab their fucking ass with both hands on three tries. When it comes to fucking hockey fights. If anything happened before 2010, they don't know about it. No. So I laugh when I see these. Oh, our number one clip was, and it's like, who the fuck was it? Larry Playfair and Terry O'Reilly. No, no, it was Dave Brown and Jim Kite. I think that was our number one clip or whatever. Motherfuckers, that ain't your clip. I can guarantee you probably don't even know who Jim Kite is. Oh, but look, there's HockeyFights.com slapping their watermark on it. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing about my YouTube channel. I don't slap my fucking watermark all over these fights. 
They're not mine. Well, some of them were. Some of the Blade stuff is. Some of the LNH stuff is. But I didn't put my watermark on it. It's not mine. So if someone else wants to... Because I know you can burn shit off of YouTube. So if somebody wants to burn my shit, whatever. It's on there to share. It's, I put it up there for everybody to see. I don't have a problem with that. But I laugh at hockey fight. They'll slap... Oh, hockey fighters, their little tooth logo. Oh, yeah. It's just so fucking greasy. And that's the thing. People listen... Probably the 95% of you listening right now don't give a shit. Who cares, man? Yeah, when when because when you're not creating and you're not uploading stuff and putting stuff out there and trying to build your channel up, it gets very frustrating. That's what I said. Why do some of these places feel like they have to own everything? Like Sauce Life could have put Alex clip up, credited him for the clip, and and that's it. That's all they have to do. Spit and Chiglets did it on Twitter. They put it up. They credited Alec. I'd like to congr- I, thank you to the Spit and Chiglets guy. I hope that's it. I have I don't pay that much attention to them, but Alec just mentioned it to me. Uh, I hope that's a, an ongoing trend that they continue because they're they're the biggest dudes. And like Alec goes, like his the clip is taken off, and you got like the Chiglets bump that they call it. Yeah. And that helped Alec. He got a number of followers out of the deal. Because Spit and Jiglet did that. That's how you do shit. You don't need to fucking own everything. And I'm glad Chiglets did that. Because at a time, there was a Chiglets... Uh, I don't know if he's affiliated with them. But it was a Spit and Chiglets video. Or something on Twitter. And he they sniped a few of my YouTube videos. And put them up on, on, on Twitter. And they got 100,000 views or whatever. But they never credited me for them. I didn't have a problem that they used them. But could you say I got them from 4th Line Voice? Then maybe bring some traffic to me. You still get your... You're still going to get hundreds of thousands of views on it. On your thing. But at the same time, it helps me out. And maybe I get a couple thousand coming over checking out my... Oh, this 4th Line Voice. I dig that shit. Maybe go see some other stuff of his. And then I get the rub from it. That's how it works. And it's, it's sort of a, a circle thing here. We all sort. This is how I view it. This is how we all help each other out. The big guys can. Hey, throw the little guys some fucking scraps now and again. Really, you know. And that's and that's how it keeps squashing down these fucking big plate, these big fucking groups, the Sauce Lifes or whatever that they just steal everyone's. The HockeyFights.com. They just steal everyone's content, and they don't credit anybody for anything. That's Bush. So I'm very happy. I wanted to bring that. I wanted to point that out because I've yelled about spitting chiclets before stealing shit. So I hope someone that clued them in maybe. You know, because, you know, hey, they did right by Alex. So I got no problem with them and I'll give credit where credit's due. But these Sauce Life guys, fuck you. So Alec had to go and send him a message and be like, hey, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, it's fucking who shot John bullshit. Reply, oh, my cousin sent that. And it's his roommate's best friend. And that's who we thought it was. And oh, yeah, yeah. No, you knew exactly what you did. And you look like an asshole. But they eventually went and credited him and whatever. But you weren't going to. So it's just Bush. Again, I understand the majority of people listening to this. They don't give a shit. But to those people out there that are creators that have that do podcasts or do a YouTube channel or do a vlog or what have you. They know exactly what I'm talking about. 
So, and, and like I said, believe me, the irony's not lost on me that I have put up a million pictures and a million videos, and it's like, well, you never credit anybody. Well, like I said, on Google, they don't exactly say who took the picture. So, you know, and, and hey, maybe there's some times that I could have. I've never cropped the guy. If the guy's picture name is on the bottom of the picture, I've never cropped it out. If it's on there, I've left it on there. But for the most part, all my pictures I have found on, I have said Getty Images. So you can go to Getty Images and see who, who took it. Or it's just a Google search and it comes up. It doesn't say who took the picture. So I can't help you. So believe me, I'm not trying to backtrack on what I had just said. But really, how do you know who took the picture on Google? I don't know. And same thing with video. Those videos have been, like I said, when it's a Hockey Night in Canada clip, who knows who recorded it. You know. Now, I have I have some footage that I know certain people made that have asked me not to put it onto YouTube or to share, and I don't. For respect out of the creator. But sort of universal stuff, like just general random NHL fights... Can't really tell you because there's a million guys recording back in the 80s and 90s. So I really can't tell you where the clip originated from. So it's a little different circumstance than, oh, hey, I see uh, stormsurge.com film something with their cell phone during the game. And then I go and steal their clip and and then slap fourth line voice on it and put it up on my YouTube channel. And then I get all the views from it. Well, you know, come on. We're talking a little bit of a little difference of content here in terms of exclusiveness. So, but anyway, yeah. So for these guys, and like I said, I see it all the time with, you know, the same thing. Like I'll put a picture up and then it's like, I've seen, I've seen spit and chiglets and I've seen hot. I've seen a bunch of websites. They just take the picture and they go put it up on theirs. And it's like, I, you know, what am I going to say at this point? It's not my picture. I didn't take it. So, you know, I get whatever. But it's just sort of like, I don't know, it, it's just a, a lazy, like I said, just, I don't know, taking people's content without asking them or whatever. The picture thing, eh, now that I say that, that's a little different, I guess. But, um, yeah, in terms of video content, especially stuff like that, like rare kind of stuff, yeah, that's just cheesy. And like I said, it wasn't that Alec had an issue with them using it. It was just like, like I said, give him credit, and then we can all get... The growth from it. Is it that hard? Like I've always said, you don't need to own everything. Share the wealth. But anyway, that's my little rant that I'm sure 99% of the people on that list don't give a shit. But if you start a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that, you will. And then you'll understand what I'm talking about. But so, but anyway, it was an interesting clip nonetheless. But, speaking of interesting, let's go to this. Okay, this was in the Enforcer Appreciation Facebook group. Again, if you're oh, if you're on Facebook, definitely uh, ask to join up. It is the group that Alex started. It's got over 13,000 members. And people are sharing videos and pictures and all that type on there and discussions and, and everything else. And I've ranted and raved about the some of the idiots that are on these groups. And uh, I won't get into that today. <laughs> but... Nonetheless, this gentleman, Matt's Air, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, uh, 
he posted this, and it was an interesting little, um, I guess, experiment. And, uh, okay, here, I'm going to read this to you, and I'll, you know, we'll, we'll go through this together here. Um, okay. Uh, it's a long and detailed following the NHL's heavyweight title. You have to be the man, to beat the man, you gotta, to be the man, you have to beat the man. Okay. Alright, uh, this was something I compiled in my free time for the purpose of data collection, discussion, and discovery. It was interesting to me, it was interesting to me to see what path the title took as it shook down to genuine tough guys and not necessarily heavyweights. Many of the greatest enforcers in the last 30 years of the league were not even listed as challengers, and I found that disappointing as well. Um, okay. Basically, uh, okay. Oh, and there's, there's some, uh, the comments in the comment section as well. Um, so basically, uh, what, what this guy did, was, uh, he, he went from the Domi Probert fight with Domi winning. And it, you know, in, in this sense, um, and from there, he, he basically, he, he treated, treated it like it was an actual heavyweight title belt. So it was a one fight decision. And if that guy won, then they, then, okay, he's got the belt. Now, who does he fight? And when he loses, who did he lose to? Then we follow the belt with that guy and on and on. So it's not an overall body of work. It's just following the belt from, from guy to guy. And, um, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, like he said, okay. And that was the thing. A lot of people in the comments, oh, Probert, Probert, this is brutal, Probert. Like, yeah, no, that's not what this was. That, that was the, that's the genius. Of this fucking exercise. He's not talking about a guy's whole career. It was just in that single moment. He lost the belt. So the belt went with that guy. Well then that guy lost to this guy. And then this guy lost to that guy. And that's how it ends up with some of the names. That end up with the belt. Like is Zach Cassian better than Bob? No one's saying Zach Cassian's better than Bob Probert. That's not the point of this exercise. So for these people. Yelling Probert, Probert, Probert. Sit down, zip your lips for a second, read what this guy wrote and how he came to these conclusions, and then we'll go through the spreadsheet here. Just stop talking for a second. Here we go. I was the original poster and watched every fight that was available on HockeyFights.com and YouTube in order to sum up each fight's description on the spreadsheet. This project was an attempt to recreate the path of the title from Domi versus Probert and the gesture Domi made on the way to the box, taking the title from the champ. The largest body of work in this project was not watching fights and checking the votes for the winners of the fights. It was clicking next game under the box score for the games and a linear progression of the title. Found on HockeyReference.com. I made sure to check all 30 years of box scores for every champion's game to ensure the fights that were not posted on Hockey Fights were not skipped or missed. Many of the 90s fights were not posted on HockeyFights.com. Oh, what a shock. Um, my God, we need to drop your gloves back. Um, my biggest concern with this list was the games with no footage available and were forced to consider draws. I'm sure someone has an old dusty VHS, VHS footage of Talkin' versus Brad Brown. Um, but unfortunately I did not. So yes, there you go. He, uh, 
Matt's and I, I, and you actually, I had mentioned that I'm going to bring this up on my podcast. And Matt, if you have any questions about the project and want to know more for your podcast, let me know. I, sir, I hope you're listening to this. And if you are, I'm actually, I'm going to send you a message anyway. But uh, I would like to talk to you more about this because I found this very interesting. Um, and like I said, it's just, it's a different type. Of, it's just a different way of looking at things. And again, it's for discussion, whatever. I Like there were so many people in the comments section yelling and screaming, no, this is bullshit. And what completely missing the point of the exercise. So instead of just losing your shit and yelling and screaming because your favorite is Bobby isn't number one, has nothing to do with lists and who's the best. All right. God, you guys. Like even Chris said, Jesus Christ, can you not read you people? Like, seriously. Okay, here we go. February 9th, 1992. Bob Probert's considered the champion of the league. Fights Ty Domi in their first epic matchup. There we go. Domi is declared the winner. According to the voting on HockeyFights.com. Again, people out there listening. Oh, Bobby won that. That's overrated. Shut up. For the sake of this exercise, we're saying Ty Domi won. Many believe he did. He caught him. Whatever. Me personally, I would give Probert the win regardless. Landed more. But whatever. You want to give Domi the win, we'll give Domi the win. So from there, we're going to track the belt here. All right. Um, see, and then February 12th, Domi fights Jim Agnew. Domi knocks down Agnew in his first title defense. Domi continues to have a whole bunch of, has a bunch of fights until up to November 19th when he fights Dave Brown. Dave Brown manhandles Ty Domi for the win. So okay, so now in this fantasy world of single single fight heavyweight title belt, Dave Brown now has the belt. Okay, so his, his first title defense is December is December nineteenth against Stu Grimson. Brown and Grimson brawl against the boards, which was sort of declared a draw. Okay, so Brown still got the belt. January twenty sixth, he fights Rob Ray. Of course, that's when Ray comes out. Wacko. Gets Brown. So now, Rob Ray has the belt. January 26th, yes, he beats Dave Brown for the belt. Okay. So, February 10th, of course, he fights Ty Domi. Domi is unsuccessful in trying to reclaim the belt as Ray gets the win. Then on the 19th, he fights Randy McKay. People are calling it a draw, so Ray still has the belt. Now, February 24th, 1993, Rob Ray fights Keith Primo. Well, Primo's reach advantage leads to him for his first title victory. So now we got Keith Primo at the belt. Do you see how this is working? Now, is anybody saying Keith Primo's tougher than Dave Brown or Ray or, well, he beat Ray in the fight, but overall, really. You know, is he, you know, is he better than Ray or Brown or Domi or, no. But, you know, Primo's a tough enough guy. You know, whatever. Like, I see, you see what I'm saying for this exercise, how this is working? And this is what makes it an interesting discussion. You see how the belt air quotes, gets around. So Primo has a bunch of fights, actually. Um, his first fight, uh, air quote, title defense, uh, is March 18th against Enrico Ciccone. A good draw for both competitors. So Primo still got the belt. Quintal, Maley, Eagles, Zettler, Odgers, Mateau, Greg Smith, Buckberger. All these are wins for Primo. So Primo's holding the belt here for quite a while. Um, I should also mention that a bunch of those fights, um, 
there wasn't any footage, so this guy's just sort of, you know, going by write-ups. So, you know, again, this is an exercise just for discussion. No one's saying this is hard and fast. This is just a, an inter- something I found interesting on the internet. Uh, but it was interesting to see how the, see what I mean? How it kind of went around, right? Well, on April 14th, Primo fought Darian Hatcher. Everybody kind of gave Hatcher the win. Okay, so then March 6th, Hatcher fights Rick Tockett. Well, everyone says Tockett picked up the win. So old Hatcher, he only, he didn't even hold the belt for one fight. So now Tockett fights, uh, Dykos, Quintal, Fakoda, VL, Carpa, Cummins, Adam Burt, Jovanovsky, uh, Bukaboom, Ally Afraidy, Buckberger, Brent Severin, uh, Todd Simpson, Scott Daniel. Man, that's a pretty good fight card. Daniels, Murray Barron, Chase, Weimer, Carpa, DeVries. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Koser, or, uh, Talkin kind of held the belt for a long time until January 28th, 1998. He fights Joey Koser. Koser ends Talkin's reign in this nasty scrap. So there you go. So now Koser's got the belt. So he defends it against Hal Gill, Kale Hulse, Brashear, Brad Brown, Reed Simpson. All but were highlighted here. Reed Simpson, Koser. Joe Koser retires from the NHL and the title is awarded to his final challenger, Reed Simpson. Well, there you go. So Koser retires with the belt. So we got to give it to someone. So we'll give it to the last guy he fought. Yeah, well, what are you going to do, right? Okay, so we got Reed Simpson. So Reed Simpson's first fight, November 17th against Matt Johnson uh, with the win. But then, November 20th, he fights Sandy McCarthy. McCarthy does all but level his opponent for the first title win. So there you go. Big Sandy picks up the win against Reed. Uh, and then he proceeds to fight uh, Domi, Olawa, Scatchard, Olawa again, Bonvi, Peter Worrell, LaRock. Uh, and McCarthy's picking up the wins in all these. Um, or, pardon me, until he fights George LaRock, March 15th, 2000. George beat Sandy. Uh, in his first game as a hurricane, McCarthy loses the title to LaRock. So that George's first defense is April 5th against Digman. And he proceeds to... So what did we say? That was April 5th against Digman. He has like, oh man, 1, 2, 3, like 15. Like basically it's the whole season. Yeah, right there. There you go. The, ne- the next time LaRock loses a fight is January 13th, 2003 to Jody Shelley. There you go. Shelley brings an end to LaRock's unprecedented 39 successful title defenses. So yeah, so George held, George held the belt for 39 tilts. See, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of those fights could probably be debated, or not a lot of them, but some of those could be debated, whether it be a draw or maybe whoever, outpunched from 5 to 4, whatever. But for the sake of the exercise. But this is what I say about George, and a lot of guys kind of scoff or whatever, but man... You could, like I said, you could count probably on one or two, on one hand, how many losses LaRock had in his career in the NHL. You really could. Um, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes, but seriously, find me a fight where LaRock gets beat up. You'll be looking for a while. But here we go. We got Jody Shelley beating him. So then on January 18th, Christoph Oliwa defeats Jody Shelley. Yeah, 12 days after being traded, Oliwa takes the title from a dominated Jody Shelley. So Olawa defends it a couple times. And then, February 25th, 2003, he loses it to Aaron Downey. Who then turns around and fights Brad Brown, and he loses it. So now Brad Brown's got the title. 
from March 15th, 03 to December 29th, 2003. He loses it to Darcy Hortichuk. Hortichuk to Doug Dowell. Dowell to Andrew Peters. Then, of course, the 0405 lockout happened. So Peters, you know, obviously for, goes throughout the year. Then opening night, October 8th, 2005, uh, Andrew Peters fights McGratton. McGratton beats him. Then October 24th, Bowler Ice beats McGratton. No, he didn't. I'm lying. I got my spreadsheet. I'm getting it mixed up here. Uh, McGratton beat Bowler Ice. Oh, McGratton wins a few more. Yeah, and then I gotta go watch this fight. I don't remember this fight, but McGratton fights Paul Gustad. Apparently, it's this, he fights Peters and Gustad in the same game, and Paul Gostad uh, gets the beats him. So now Gostad's got the belt. Yeah, so basically it ends up going through Grant Marshall, Jamal Mares, then Gregory Campbell, then it kind of bounces around Carcillo and all that ripping and. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I just kind of wanted to um, uh, talk about this sort of an interesting sort of science experiment um, with the title belt lineage. So as you can see how it went on, it all actually ends up to right now, November 18th, 2021, uh, we have uh, Zach Cassian has the belt right now, according to this, uh, as, after beating Logan Stanley. So, um, yeah, and it's an interesting, uh, it's just sort of an interesting way to look at how, another way to look at fighting, I guess, we'll put it that way. But, uh, yeah, for those, you know, no, 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 that's not how it worked. Anyway, something, like I said, something different. I'm sure I probably bored everyone and put you to sleep, but, um, I know there's a bunch of guys that are kind of interested in stuff like that. If you're interested in that and you're not a member of the group, um, just get a hold of me, hockeyfights at hotmail.com or, uh, or on social media or whatever. Uh, hit me up and, uh, I could, uh, I'm sure Matt will let me grab the spreadsheet and I'll send it over to you. Uh, cause it's quite lengthy. Um, yeah, like I said, hey, cool, man. I, I dig the, uh, like I said, I, anybody that puts that up, that kind of work into something, um, I'm, I'm for it. I dig it. Um, uh, now, I mean, if you went back and watched some of the fights that, you know, maybe you think McGratton beat Goostad or whatever and, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, you could put up a fight and show it to 10 people and get 10 different answers, right? So, um, it, you know, whatever. He just went by the, the voting numbers on, uh, on hockey fights. So, um, hey, I dig it. And like I said, anytime, um, I can appreciate the time that was put into it. And like I said, it was a different way of looking at something and I thought it was pretty cool. So thank you, sir. Uh, that was a cool little read. I enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully you continue. Maybe go back and do start maybe in the 80s or something, or or what have you, if that's something you're into. I don't know. But uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be interesting. Um, that, well, I tell you, it would have been a lot easier with Drop Your Gloves still around, that's for sure, because um, it's much more complete. Plus, the videos were right there for the most of them. So uh, just another reason why we need to get Drop Your Gloves back, which I know Steve is really working on, and uh, I, in fact, I am going to get a hold of Steve here uh, this week, and uh, hopefully I can get him on the next episode, and he can kind of give us a lowdown of where he is at. I know the developer has done some stuff. Um, yeah, well, I'll get Steve on, and he can explain where we're at. So it's a reality, folks, and hopefully uh, you guys will support it out there. 
And, uh, cause it was a great sight. And I know at first it's going to be a skeleton bare bones. I mean, it's not like, oh, it's not like as good as the old one. Well, yeah, not yet. It's not going to be. I mean, there was a decade's worth of work that went in to drop your gloves. So, you know, so it didn't look like that when it first came online either. So, um, but hopefully the, some of the listeners out here can lend your expertise or some of your data that you've gathered. I know there's a lot of fight card guys out there or whatever. Hopefully we can, uh, we can do that as a collective and, uh, and get the, get the site rolling and someday we can get it back to where it was. And, uh, yeah, cause I think that'd be really cool, but we're at the hour mark and I'm yapping away. I'm sure, sh- uh, let's get to the St. Louis blues list. Shall we? Uh, somebody sent me this link. It is from bleeding blue, which is a St. Louis. I would assume a St. Louis blues, uh, vlog, Chris, Christopher Griffith, uh, this was from two years ago, St. Louis Blues top five St. Louis Blues fighters. The St. Louis Blues have had numerous quality fighters throughout their 20, 52 years. Today we will discuss the top five fighters to wear the blue note. <coughs> the St. Louis Blues have had a total of 14 fights in the 18-19 season. And today's NHL fighting is almost a thing of the past. So I'm going to go look to the past to relive some of the great fighters. Ah, okay. When it comes to all-time fighters list, many opinions and factors can determine what supports that list. Some fans judge a fighter by how hard they punch, their win-loss record, or how many knockouts they had. I personally look at their number of fighting majors. With this number, you can look at a couple of different scenarios. I use the numbers to gauge how often someone was willing to protect a teammate, or possibly how often they're used to fight to change the momentum. The one thing that gets the crowd into a game faster than a goal is a fight. In this article, I'm going to discuss the top five fighters in the history of the team. For this article, we'll be using fighting majors while wearing the blue note for our rankings. First, let us start with some honorable mentions. Number of fights while wearing the blue note in parentheses. Cam Jansons with 57. BJ Crombeam with 56. Ryan Reeves with 56. Really? Ryan Reeves had 56 fights at the Blues? Huh. That's interesting. Uh, Barrett Jackman, 50. And Perry Turnbull, 49. All right, let's get to our top five fighters. Number five, Tony Twist. Number five, eh? All right. Um, again, as I said, uh, I did not look. Someone sent me this link. So this is new to me as well as you listening. I have I didn't know what this list was. So here we go. So Twist at number five. All right. Uh, Tony Twist is pound for pound one of the best heavyweights to ever strap on skates. Twist played a total of 294 games with the Blues before retiring due to injuries from a motorcycle accident. In his, in his, during his career, Twist had 12 fights against members of the Blackhawks. Twist fought no one more during his career than Jim McKenzie. Twist had problems with McKenzie, too. Um, for a few years in his Blues career, Twist was on the same roster with two other players in this list. He was a linemate with one and had one of the best fights I've seen in person with that linemate. But more on that later. Twist knew exactly what his job was while he was on the ice and did it very well. There's no surprise that Twist shows up in the top five Blues fighters of all time. Well, no, it doesn't. I'm surprised. I, I'm I, four, There's four guys in front of Twist? I'm curious to see who they are. Here we go. Mm, all right. <laughs> yeah. Number four on the list, Jamal Mares. Mares in front of Twist, eh? All right. Uh, Mares played 915 career NHL games, 595 of those with the Blues. Um, 
Thank goodness he was a better fighter than, than he was an eyebrow connoisseur. All right. Um, Maris had 67 fights with the Blues. Uh, played a heavy brand of hockey. He wasn't afraid to get in on a four check and punish other teams defensemen with heavy crushing checks. Um, mainly, uh, 0506 was Maris' best season, mainly regulated to a third or fourth line duty. Maris had 15 fighting majors. The more interesting stat from that year was the 15 goals that he scored. Um, Leon and Knack for finding the back of the net. Maris is still number four on our list. During his career, Maris fought Ian LaPerriere five times, the most of any other opponent. Maris also fought members of the St. Louis or the San Jose Sharks a total of nine times. The only member on this list that didn't score up with the Blackhawks more than any other team. I don't, I don't know why he keeps, why, who cares how many times he fought the Blackhawks, but all right. Next person, okay. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have no problem with Jamal Maris. I like Jamal Maris, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble following this guy's logic. Like, he keeps, like, the amount of fights puts you ahead of certain guys. Like, I mean, okay, yeah, you can have a lot of fights, but Jamal Mirror's competition's a little different than Tony Twist's competition, so I'm really not, I'm not getting where he's going. Like, I was kind of with you with the, okay, it only counts when he was at the Blues, but, um... But I'm not sure this, oh, he fought this many times against the Hawks and this many times against the Sharks. Like, who cares? I don't care how many times he fought against a team. Who's he fighting is my point. But uh, whatever, that's how this guy came up with it. So, okay, fine. Here we are. Uh, number three, Reed Lowe. Mm, okay. I will say, well, I'll say, okay, let's see. He was a little, played 256 career games, 250 of those were wearing the blue note. Uh, Lowe had 78 fights uh, with the Blues. Low holds, low holds the number, low currently holds the number two and number five spot on most penalty minutes in an NHL game. He had 57 minutes versus Calgary in 2002 and 53 versus Detroit in uh, the same year. During the game versus the, the Flames, he had three fights, one versus Berube and one versus Raguri. He was also assessed four misconducts and an instigator penalty. Yeah, that's a hell of a night. Um, as with most in this list, Lowe had the most career fights against the Blackhawks with seven. Throughout his career, Lowe spread out his fights. He had three fights against Matt Johnson, and, was, and this was his high for any player he fought. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say with Reed Lowe, and I think um, this is just my opinion. Um, I, like, I'm a big fan of Reed Lowe. He was great. He was awesome with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Um, it was funny. when he, During his playing time, I always liked Lowe, but I was just sort of like, eh, you know, whatever. And then uh, I got a DVD, and it had a whole bunch of Reed Lowe fights on it, and a lot of them were from the American League. And I started watching it, and it's like, holy shit. Like, Reed Lowe was in awesome fights. And uh, I highly encourage... I, I mean, I always pump up my YouTube, oh, fourth line voice on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but honestly, if you go and look, I have a bunch of his American League fights on my channel. Uh, I encourage anybody to check. He had a great fight with Re, uh, Scott Parker down in Hershey. Um, Vandenbush. I'm just trying to think of the fights he had in Wooster, but there's a bunch of them on my channel, and he, it's they're awesome. Great fights, and I had a whole I got a whole new appreciation for Reed Lowe after uh, watching those fights. And you go back NHL stuff. Yeah, great fight. Didn't like didn't really lose a lot. Like you might you know. Did he have the huge punching power knockouts? No, not like Twist or anything, but uh, he was always in it. Big guy. Um, yeah, I'm a big Reed Lowe fan. Uh, now, 
you know, what I'd have him in front of mirrors, but I would not have him in front of twist. But um, yeah, I was a big Reed Low fan. I dig it. Number two, all-time fan favorite Kelly Chase. Um, Chase seems like he played his entire career with the Blues and would be an all-time games list. Twist or Chase was and still is an all-time favorite with the fans. Truth is, Chase only played 254 games with the Blues, second fewest on this list, but he earned the moniker by having the second most fighting majors in Blues history. Uh, out of those 254 games, he had 123 fights. It's almost a fight every two games. Yeah, it's actually unbelievable considering how small the guy was too. Um, of course, uh, Chase made had mo- again twist. Had, why? Why am I spitting? Blah, 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 blah. Take two. Ah, okay. Of course, Chase had the most career fights against the Blackhawks, but you will never guess who he fought the most in his career. Not a Blackhawk, but none other than the Chief Craig Berube. That's actually surprising. I did not know that Kelly Chase had the most career fights against Berube. But again, what's with this Blackhawk thing? I don't understand. I guess it's just the rivalry with Blues and Hawks and blah, blah, blah. I guess that's where this guy's coming from, but who gives a shit? But anyway, March 9th, 1996, I-10, one of the best Blues games of my life versus the Hartford Whalers. One year prior, Chase had been claimed by the Whalers. Just weeks before the game, the Blues had traded for some guy named Gretzky. The game was... The game had so much leading up to it. Not only was Chase on the Whalers, they'd also traded another fan favorite to the Whalers over the summer, Brendan Shanahan. Uh, the real fireworks started in the first. The first frame consisted of three fights. Shane Corson had one fight and Twist had two. Twist's second fight was against Chase. At the time, Twist was living in Chase's house while he was playing in Hartford. Even though they were friends, they both knew they had a job to do, and boy, did they do their job. Um, yeah, that was actually a really good fight, considering how good of friends they are and stuff. They were... They were punching for keeps, man, I'm telling you. Yep. Um, Chase fought his last fight in the NHL against none other than the player considered the greatest of all time, Bob Probert. Oh, there, I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah. No, Chase is awesome. Like I said, uh, I've always said with the Blues, it's it's interesting. They sort of have this, like, rela- they have a symbiotic sort of relationship with the Saskatoon Blades junior team. Because, of course, you had Chase and uh, uh, Twist both out of with the Blades. Um Bernie Federico, and I mean, and at one time, I don't know if anybody, if a lot of the listeners know this, but at one time, it got really close to the St. Louis Blues relocating to Saskatoon here, and that was in the early 80s. They were having a lot of trouble with the Blues. They were owned by Ralston Perina Dog Food Company, and they they wanted nothing to do with the Blues. In fact, one year, they skipped the draft entirely, and uh, they did not give a shit about the team, and they were going to sell it to... Bill Hunter here in Saskatoon. And another fun fact with that is Bill Hunter had lined up Don Cherry to be the coach of the team if they had come to Saskatoon. So that would have been very interesting. Imagine the Saskatoon Blues. Um, actually, somewhere around here, I have a hat, one of those old hats, uh, the old trucker-type hats with the Saskatoon Blues logo on it. I'll try to find it for you guys. But uh, no, that's a true story. And uh, it, it, it came real close to happening. That would have been interesting if that actually come to Saskatoon because um, at the time we would have had to build the rink and everything. We have the Sask place now, but um, yeah, it would have been interesting. Do I think Saskatoon could support an NHL team? Uh, no, I don't. Um, Jews just don't have the, you know, we have a population of what, 200 and, well, at that time it would have been 180 or 90,000, but I mean, we're at about 260 now, which would be far and away the smallest market in the league. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess at that point, well, we would, we'd draw better than Florida and Arizona would, but, uh, 
you know, I don't know what that's saying, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, but man, Don Cherry coaching the Saskatoon Blues, that would so, how NHL history would have changed if that had happened. Um, but anyway, but anyway, the Blues and the Saskatoon Blades and Saskatoon have always sort of had that, that relationship, uh, whether it be with a player personnel or with that whole almost coming here kind of thing. So it's interesting to see future blade or past blades, uh, go on with the Blues, but, um, there you go. Uh, so that was number two. Who's number one? I'm curious. Uh, coming at number one on the list, none other than Captain Brian Sutter. Eh, yeah, all right. Okay, okay, I get it. Um, Sutter's the smallest guy in this list, but uh, by 30 pounds, we did not lack heart. No, we did not. Uh, a family of the six Sutter brothers are famous in the NHL. Uh, Brian was drafted by the Blues in the second round of the 76 draft. Uh, during his career, Sutter had 157 fights. And in 80-81, he had a total of 26 fights, the second highest total in his 12-year career. Once again, he had more fights against the Blackhawks than any other team in the NHL. Also, out of all the players on this list, Sutter had the most career fights against any one opponent. He fought Pat Price, a defenseman with five different teams, a total of seven times. Something tells me these two just did not like each other. Um, during his nine years of his career, Sutter was the captain of the Blues, the longest tenured captain in Blues history. Not only was Sutter a hard-nosed player, but many consider him the greatest leader in Blues with the Blues ever. In 1988, uh, Sutter was forced to retire due to a back injury and almost immediately was hired as head coach. And in 1991, won the Jack Adams as coach of the year. Um, yeah, uh, well, tough guy numbers that you've uh, long, uh, any listeners for any length of time will know, I like to uh, cite with his stat, the stats that he puts up. Um, I think Brian Sutter's on every one of his damn lists. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I love the Sutter's. What, that's the highest compliment you could probably give a player is to, to say they play like Sutter's. Imagine six brothers. Like, it's hard enough to make the NHL. Just think about that for a second. What are the odds of just making the NHL? They're so, they're so astronomical you can't even wrap your head around it. Now there's six of you that make it? Six brothers make it? Oh, well, one wasn't very good. Shut up. Six Sutters made the NHL. Now they're one kid Brandon's playing, and I think there's a couple of sons playing. Like, that's unbelievable. And it's if you go to Hockey DB and look up Sutters, go look at their junior stats. Those are like friggin' PlayStation numbers. Those are like creative player numbers. Yeah, and like tons of minutes and like gritty and just you know, like were the were they great, great fighters? Well, no, but now again, would like Brian Sutter beat Twist? No. But he'd probably, he'd probably fight him, you know. And, uh, I mean, I get, well, actually, I don't. I don't get, this list kind of baffles me on how he's, I know he explained at the start, but it, do, it still doesn't make sense. Like, I guess you're just going by number of fights or whatever, but not actual toughness. Because out of those five guys, I would have had Twist 1, Chase 2, Low 3, Sutter four and Mares five is how I would have done it. Actually, I probably would have went the exact reverse way that he did it. Um, but um, now I know there's probably people screaming what about gas off and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd have to get someone from that from that time period that saw gas off um, play. Uh, I mean, I can't comment. I mean, I've read a million things about how ter- crazy he was and everything else. And how tough he was. I mean, I've seen a couple of Gasoff fights that are out there on video, but there isn't many. I mean, I've read all the legends of him, which can be taken with a grain of salt. At the same time, 
there you got Randy Holt in the Facebook group saying Gasoff really wasn't that tough, uh, or w- wasn't that great of a fighter, uh, but was more dirty. I, I, what am I going to call Randy Holt a liar? I mean, Holt fought him, you know, so, um, who knows, right? And so, you know, these lists are always, they're just a kind of a fun little thing to read and everyone's going to have their list and their differences over it and, but whatever, that's, that's where we're at in terms of, uh, the top five St. Louis Blues fighters according to the Blue Note Nation. So there you go. Um, well, there was an hour and a half or hour and 50 minutes of just babble. I think I put everybody to sleep with that spreadsheet thing. I don't know. I was, I, again, I was using that more as a, just here's a different way to look at fights and how fans do things. And it's a discussion type thing. And I really like that sort of thing. I get, that's the nerd in me, I guess. Um, again, if, if you guys want to see the complete spreadsheet and you're not a member, go become a member of the group and you can go see it. If not, get a hold of me and I will talk to Matt. So we'll get in the spreadsheet from him and I can send it to you. So, um, yeah, guys, there we go. Oh, there. Yeah, real hot. Yeah, there we go. Lots to look forward to in 2022 if this is our first shot out of the gate here. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, now that the Christmas is over and the new year, we're in a new year and we're we're settling into the house here and getting back to normal and the wife's going back. Obviously, school's, uh, you know, school breaks over and uh, back to school on Tuesday and, um, you know, and we fall back into our regular regular patterns that we do um although i'm going to vegas well tentatively scheduled i well i am i've got my tickets and everything to go to las vegas at the end of february here and eh, you know we'll see how the border goes at that point but uh that's where we're looking but uh yeah we'll see what happens but uh in the meantime uh i will i'll definitely be i'm on the horn here uh, getting some guests lined up and uh, trust me, you're not going to get just solo episodes from here until 2023 or anything. No, I do have some guests that I've talked to and uh, just have to make time. Like I said, they're, they're Chris, like they have kids and it's Christmas break and travel and all that and whatever. Everyone's getting back into their routines here. So uh, we'll be able to come up with a better time in terms of uh, uh, when they can record and uh, coming up, I will definitely be having some interviews for you guys. So no, don't worry. So it won't be all Darren here for 2022, but uh, I want to thank everybody who took time out to listen today. Thank you. Um, uh, if you could rate and review my episode on whatever uh, download or whatever form you're listening to this, uh, it helps me in the in the searches. Um, also, could you? I know I always say it, and it's kind of whatever, but seriously, um, actually, I had a, I won't say with who, but I had a conversation about this with someone. Um, could you download my episodes? Um, because that's how I get paid is by the download. Plus it also helps. We can just see who's listening. You get a bit, cause when you stream it, I, I, there's no record of you listening or whatever. So, uh, it helps in the, it with not only do I get paid, but it also helps tracking. I can see what kind of hit, what missed, who's listening, who's not listening, that type of thing. It just, it just helps me out. So if you could download the episode, I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. If you're on Spotify, it's the little arrow, just hit the little download arrow. Boom and away we go. So uh, yeah, if you could do that, that'd be that'd be wonderful. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbor. Tell send it send it through a carrier pigeon. However you have to do it, spread the word. This is a listener driven show. So whatever advertising you guys can do for me, I greatly appreciate it. Um, all right, guys. If you happen to be on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook, give me a list. Give me a follow or what have you. Always putting up pictures and videos. 
and fourth line voice on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. I'm always putting fights on there and uh, just put up a real good Craig Cox, Basil McRae fight before we got going here. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. But uh, all right, guys, I hope everybody has a had a great new year. And uh, here we are. 2022 is upon us. And uh, let's attack the first week of the of the new year. And I'll talk to everybody on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 